Thank you, Dolores. And thank you, ladies, for allowing me to join you this semester. I'm very happy to be able to be here. And um, our family has always treasured Mindset for Missions. This is an incredibly important ministry to our church. I have to tell you, from the missionary perspective, we have always been very grateful for the ministry that you guys have to us through your encouragement and your prayers, and I know to the other missionaries as well. And then for you who have been longtime attenders here, you know what the the blessing is to you as well to be a part of um, the ministry of Mindset, to hear from the missionaries to share and rejoice in what the Lord is doing to advance his church across the world and to um, be a part of participating in those ministries through your prayers, through your support, and also to be exhorted, aren't we? As we're here, we realize that Great Commission, as Lauren said, it's not just for the missionaries internationally, but in our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the world, wherever you are, that is our calling as we are in Christ. And so that is our privilege. And so we are also exhorted as we hear from the missionaries to do that faithfully here, wherever we are. So we're so thankful for Mindset. And we're excited to start off our winter session with Greg Stevenson. Greg and his wife Tracy and Micah, their son, have been in New Zealand since 2010. And Greg has been a part of training there through the Shepherd's Bible College. He also has been involved in now um, church planting. So we're going to hear a lot about life in New Zealand, about the ministries there, and also as the transition comes up now for his family coming in these next few months. So let me just pray for our time, and then Greg will come up. Father God, we're so thankful for the opportunity to meet and to rejoice, Lord, in the work that you're doing around the world, Lord. We're so thankful for um, Greg, Lord, that he's able to be with us today. We pray that you continue to bless this ministry and allow our time of fellowship to be sweet as we hear from, from Greg today. Lord, we thank you also for the provision of the food, and we ask our blessing on this time. In your son's name, amen. Again, privilege is mine. Um, so happy to be able to be with you. I remember back in those dark ages when I was on staff, and uh slaving away up in the office and trying to uh, help get GMI organized and and do those things. And even then, we were so thankful for you and what you were doing and uh, in being in prayer for the missionaries as well as all the activities as they were coming together through the office as well. But you have been a tremendous blessing to countless at this stage through not only the missionaries that are represented. I understand there's 91 families represented now and uh, their children, and so we are grateful for that and thankful for the privilege to be able to just share a little bit with you about uh, life in New Zealand, what's taken us there, and so forth. I, I know I'm going to forget, so I'll go ahead and um, try to... It really wasn't a joke. It was more of an explanation of what I mentioned earlier. So <clears throat> a kiwi, a kiwi, and a kiwi are found sitting on a beach. And what is the difference. We as Americans think of kiwi and we will go to a grocery store and we will say, hey, I want a kiwi. And um, your New Zealand friends laugh at you every time you say that because to a New Zealander, that little fruit that you're going to go and pick up, which uh, was originally an Asian pear, which grew wonderfully well in uh, the environment of New Zealand, that is kiwi fruit. The reason that's kiwi fruit is because there is such a thing as a kiwi, and a kiwi is a bird, all right? So you have a kiwi bird that is the national bird, probably the national bird because it's nocturnal, 
and doesn't like to be around people very much, and that fits well with New Zealand because not because the people don't love one another, but because there's so few. Um, we have four and a half million people in the land mass about the same size as California. A uh, million and a half of those are in our main population center, Auckland. And then uh, another city has about uh, three-quarters of a million. Another has about half a million. So you have about two, two and a half million people spread pretty much across the territory of California. Well, that's two of the Kiwis. The third is what they actually call themselves. So a uh, New Zealander will call themselves a Kiwi typically because that's what they've come to embrace and, and accept as part of the culture. So I just want to expose you to some of the aspects of life in New Zealand and what we have happening. You can um, hopefully see a little bit as we go through this. Um, yep, good. So this is the, the small family that the Lord um, has given us. And I, uh, I mentioned prayer a few minutes ago, but I remember... Um, 17 years ago when you were praying for that little guy um, because uh, we found out in utero that we were going to have some complications. Uh, and so we looked toward the birth of our son to find out and have it confirmed that he has cystic fibrosis. And um, we thank you for praying for him and for us, for some of you now 17 or even 18 years uh, as uh, we have um, just enjoyed God's blessing of giving us this young man now who has been a great blessing and uh, is doing very well. So thank you for your prayers for us. Some of you might be wondering where New Zealand is. I know we get that regularly uh, from people on this side of the world wondering where we are. So there you are. We are uh, in the middle of the world and for those of you that haven't seen a, a particular movie set, that's Middle Earth. And uh, that's where you find us in New Zealand, a little bit south of Australia. As you can imagine from seeing that picture, where our climate is a little bit different than here. Uh, and it would be similar to living in the Northwest, typically. But our climate goes everything from what they consider subtropical in the north. Uh, so where the typical temperatures uh, might reach some... Oh, 80, 85 in the summer and uh, be down somewhere in the neighborhood of oh, 45 or 50 in the winter. And uh, where we've been living the last six years is considered the breadbasket of the country where they grow a lot of fruits and vegetables. And it will get cooler in the winter and uh, warmer in the summer. In fact, my family uh, tells me that it's about 35 today. That's Celsius. So that's uh, close to 90 and uh, that's a very hot day in, in New Zealand and uh, where you are never more than two hours away from the ocean. All the way down south, we have glaciers. And uh, so that's a fair good description of the change of climate and variety that we enjoy in a small land space. So... In New Zealand, you can see uh, the North Island, and if you go down the, the right side of the North Island, the east coast, you'll find a place called the Hawke's Bay. Hawke's Bay is where the Lord has allowed us to be for the last six years. It's been a wonderful privilege to have gone and to help serve at the Shepherd's Bible College and Riverbend Bible Church for these years, and um, I think I'll... I'll switch over here just to tell you some of what I've been doing. 
I went to be the director of program development. Uh, we were a TMAI school. We were developing, growing, beginning to uh, really need to focus on the training of men as we had been training people for their uh, acts of faith that the Lord had for them. So I went to do that, and within a couple of years, I became the vice principal. So I lecture as well, and then uh, got involved with a couple of other things, as you can see there. In addition to that, three years ago at this moment, I would have been an elder at the church and regularly preaching and uh, sort of filling in as executive pastor. Uh, then I pulled back from that as we got a TMS graduate who came to be our uh, associate or assistant pastor, and uh, I was able to pull back to what my focus was to be, and we're thankful for that, and that's Matthew Johnston. Now, before I move back into some of the things of our ministry, I want to take a couple of moments, and I know you've you've had a wonderful feed in the in the word of the Lord this morning, and I just want to make you uh, think for a couple of minutes about something that we get introduced to in the Gospel of Matthew. We get introduced to him there. We get introduced to him in each of the Gospels, and that's John, John the Baptist. And and the way that Matthew brings us John the Baptist in chapter 3 is sort of abrupt, and as is the case, Matthew is trying to show us who the king, Messiah, is, and that that is, in fact, Jesus. As you know, Matthew is recording for us that story of Jesus is the Messiah of Israel so that his readers would understand that Christ, who has now been crucified and resurrected, was the Messiah. So as he records the gospel... What he's concerned with is showing the people of Israel that this is your king. And in order to do that, he needs to bring them to see the fulfillment of a number of Old Testament scriptures. So he does that, and in particular, the first couple of chapters, he's walking through and and sort of floods it with a number of uh, Old Testament references so that the reader would understand that this child-born Jesus is the fulfillment of Scripture. He is the Messiah. So to continue the story, he needs to introduce us to the forerunner because the forerunner had been prophesied that he would come. And so he introduces us to John the Baptist and to tell us about this amazing man who had a very clear message And we're told about that in chapter 3 of Matthew and in verse 1 where we read in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea saying what? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's a very clear message. There's no uh, need to really go into a depth of explanation. What Matthew is doing for us is introducing us to him and telling us of that clear message that John had to preach to the people because he was the forerunner for the Messiah. It's interesting that this clear message that John was given comes in a sense to characterize those who get to stand and, and preach Christ. We understand from the text that he not only had that clear message, but he had a very distinct presence about him, didn't he? You know, verse 4 tells us that he was a man who wore a camel's hair and had a leather belt around his waist. 
It's very distinct. It's not something that I suggest to my students, but uh, it is something that uh, to want that essentially set him apart. But he was he was following in an Old Testament context the way that he should have presented himself. Now, I think it's also true that not only do you and I have a very clear message that we need to teach and preach and bring to the world, but we have a distinct presence about us. That distinction is not in necessarily what we wear, although I trust that we are not going to present ourselves as, shall I say, some of the women of the world. However, that distinction that you and I enjoy is the Holy Spirit's presence in the believer's life such that they see love through us, right? Another aspect of what um, Matthew points out about John is his uncompromising spirit, right? Verses 4 to 12 just sort of rehearse for us how he was a man who was willing to stand and preach no matter what. Pharisees, Sadducees, huh, you're, you're a brood of vipers. He's willing to proclaim the message that needed to be proclaimed. It didn't matter who it was. Now, I rehearsed that for a reason. The man that started the ministry where I've been able to be is that kind of man. Just amazing to see what God did through this man's life. As a young man, he was a farmer. And he was a believer and involved with his church. And then he began to attend uh, some conferences, which Grace Community Church were sponsoring. We sent teachers. We sent preachers, guys like Rick Holland, like Carrie Hardy, um, and others, Lance Quinn, and so forth. These men went down some 25 years ago and had camps. And Russell was one of the attenders at these And out of that, the opportunity came for some select men from New Zealand to come to the Master's Seminary. So around about 24 years ago, Russell Honeck, along with another man named Donald Stevenson, came to study the Word of the Lord, to be equipped for effective ministry. They had been involved in camping ministry and knew that it was good, but it wasn't all that the Lord would desire for them to do. And so they got equipped here. They went home. And funny enough, both Donald Stevenson and Russell Honick were hired by two churches in the same town in the Hawks Bay. (laughs) And so they began their ministry. And as they began to preach the word of God week by week, you need to understand their context. They were in a context in which the churches they went into had no doctrinal statement. None. They didn't understand that they needed one. They would have a wonderful time of fellowship every week as a church. They would come together and enjoy the preaching of the word. And in their tradition, they saw that the communion time was actually the pinnacle of worship. This is an open brethren background. And Russell and Donald went into their churches and began to preach and to teach and to love the people. And the people loved it and wanted to hear more. So they asked him, can you please teach us more than just on a Sunday morning? And so they began to teach classes. And within a few years, it became what was known as the Shepherd's Bible College. 
And the Shepherds Bible College achieved accreditation nationally within New Zealand and began to teach to people who wanted to come and to be equipped for the works that the Lord would have for them. And so then I came along somewhere about 10 years into that process to do those things that the Lord allowed me to do with them. Well, it's a time of transition for a lot of us. I'll get back to that in just a minute, but along with the ministry around the college there, I've been able to preach and be a regular part of the ministry there at Riverbend. We uh, just wanted to give you at least one picture of a student. Um, <laughs> we've had a number of them. Our graduates are serving as pastors, as youth pastors, as camp directors, as faithful servants in their churches. But two years ago, we had the privilege of having Alex and Nia Townsend with us. Alex and Nia came over from Australia. That's just Alex's home and Nia's adopted home, and she is from India, and certain missionary that you probably know and love, Chris Williams, her father was part of ministry with Chris Williams in India before they moved to Australia. They got married, and within two weeks, they were at our college, ready to be equipped for the work of the ministry that the Lord would have for them. So they got equipped, and they are now back in Australia. They now are celebrating the precious gift that the Lord has brought them, their first child. Nia is a medical doctor. Alex is a carpenter or builder. And um, they are highly involved in uh, their church, which happens to be Russell Honick's brother's church over in Australia. So that just gives you a picture of the kind of ministry that the Lord has given us over these years. Well, we've also had conferences um, and that's been a, a wonderful aspect of our ministry. As the men were teaching and the classes got going, they also have, had the vision, and particularly Russell had the vision, to start a Bible conference for the nation. And this has become, uh, I've been involved, so I don't like saying it, but I, you can honestly say this is the Shepherds Conference of the, of the Southern Hemisphere. Um, it is a wonderful conference. Now, it's not just for pastors in our context. It's for the people of God to come together. You might recognize some of the faces in this. We try to bring down a couple of men every year to preach uh, and have a good time with us. You have Philip DeCourcy there along with one of his deacons and, and Chris Mueller with us. This was two years ago. And in between them is Matthew Johnston, who... Uh, is now pastoring at Riverbend Bible Church. And those conferences have been a wonderful time. One of the things that happens at the uh, conference is we have, well, last year we had 800 uh, people join us. With The year before, we had Paul Washer with us. We had 1,000 people with us. Uh, wonderful times. But about 300 of those people that come and join us. Picture this. This is the one weekend out of their year where they drink in the Word of God without any filter. In other words, these dear believers are in churches across the country where every week they have to go home and decide as a parent, was, was the pastor's doctrinal misunderstanding so major that I need to point it out to my child? 
And if I do that week after week, I compromise their belief in the wonder of the church? Or do I need to let that one go? Every week, they have to deal with this sort of stuff of hearing very bad messages from the Word of the Lord if they open the Word of God. And that's the kind of stuff they do week in and week out. And then once a year, they come to the Impact Bible Conference, and they're able to just drink and have a wonderful time of fellowship with other believers. And it's a wonderful blessing uh, that the Lord has allowed us to be able to do that. Well, you can see me here in a little young man. He's pretty excited. Um, I gave him this little book because one of the things that happens at our conference is we, like you, serve at the conference. And uh, so our people get involved in serving in every way possible. And this young guy, a few years ago, he was... Uh, I think he was seven at this stage, maybe six. He went around to tables at every meal. We serve three meals a day plus teas, which are snacks. Um, and every time there was a meal, this young guy took it on himself to go and take plates when people were done with them, sometimes when they weren't, and <laughs> and take them so that they could be washed. And I just thought, what a wonderful example. So I chose to single him out and, and give him a book and as a thank you for his wonderful acts of service to all of us. Well, as I've said, we are on the move, and uh, the Lord has uh, closed the Shepherd's Bible College as of the end of 2016. Um, the reason for that closure is not because there isn't a need for equipping and training there is a desperate need for it. In fact, the state of the church in New Zealand is such that they don't even know how much they need the equipping and training ministry. But we also had a model which really doesn't fit culturally anymore. We had a typical model that you and I grew up with, well, most of us grew up with. Uh, it's good to see some of the younger ladies with you. And uh, most of us would have grown up where there was a school, you went to that school, and we're taught, and then you went back to wherever you were from. And that's what we've been doing. But in the culture today, uh, I put it this way. A young person today who wants to learn more after, say, Sunday morning, they go open their computer and go to YouTube. And everybody's an expert. And so there's this understanding now that I can get access, especially in the English-speaking world, to everything. Unfortunately, they don't have all the discernment they need. But a school like ours needs to consider, how do you intersect with that generation and help them to be better equipped for the works of service that the Lord has for them? And so what we're doing is restructuring and considering the way that we do our ministry so that we will be more effective for the years to come. So we've had a uh, tremendous meeting on December 9th, which was the day before our last graduation for the Shepherd's Bible College. We had 12 of us that got together in the room. We're all like-minded. A uh, number of those men are uh, master seminary graduates. And we sat down and, and I asked some questions. I said, what's the greatest blessing you've had in the last 12 months? What's the greatest challenge you've faced? And what do you see as great challenges you will face in the year ahead? 
And without exception, everybody agreed on three things. Number one, we must have a training and equipping ministry. Number two, we must help one another with conferences so that we can help the church at large. And number three, we must come together as a fellowship of brothers who all are committed to the same theological positions and expository preaching. Wonderful news. Uh, that means I have something to do, um, and I have plenty to do. And so we're excited to see how the Lord will bring this together. And as you can tell, what we're trying to accomplish is to have this be something which the New Zealander uh, believers all buy into and, and own so that it is shared across a number of churches and people. Why do I have this map up there? You'll notice uh, about a third of the way down, a red dot and a big uh, capitals, Auckland. That's our main population center. Tracy and I have not only taken up the opportunity to help in any way we can with this training and equipping ministries, but we've also now taken on the pastorate of a uh, very small group of people that are it's, uh, essentially it's a church plant. Uh, just north of Auckland. It's uh, officially still a part of the city, and it's about 45 minutes on a good day without traffic to the center of Auckland City. So we're excited because this group is a dear fellowship of believers who have been meeting for 10 years. For two years, they had a pastor who they released to be one of our main instructors, And then for eight years, they have week by week by week watched DVDs of sermons. That's how they fellowship and that's how they uh, spend their time on a Sunday. They come together, they sing together, they partake of communion together. They have two elders and those men are great men, but they had businesses to run and they neither of them uh, sense that they are called of the Lord to be a regular preacher, but they can teach the word. And so they waited on the Lord to see what they would be able to do. And um, apparently we are the Lord's answer to uh, that dilemma that they have faced. So we're, we're thrilled and excited. That's about a seven-hour drive between the Hawks Bay and Auckland. So uh, we are moving, and we will be doing that when I get done with my Shepherds Conference trip. Uh, I didn't think it right to uh, say I'm your new pastor, and I won't be here for the next three months. So... <laughs> thought it would probably be better to wait and uh, move and once I'm going to be there for a while. So that's some of what you're doing. I am here this week because I'm a D-Men student and enjoying the lectures. Uh, and then we'll have some time to um, do some work for the doctorate of ministry. Well, my dear wife has a wonderful ministry as well. You can see a number of things there. I want to just point out one of those. Uh, besides being a Bible study leader in, in our version of Every Woman's Grace um, and a counseling ministry and so forth. Interesting, just quickly. Tracy, my dear wife, sat in uh, counseling training, uh, for those of you that will remember this, back when Carrie Hardy, um, Jerry Ragg, uh, Lance, uh, they were all in the same class with my wife getting equipped and how to do biblical counseling. And uh, so she has a wonderful ministry in that regard, and we thank the Lord for that. But I just want to talk about the coffee ministry, and we, she, she phrases it that. Um, Maeve Whitfield, a dear saint in our church who has uh, scoliosis, and so does Tracy. 
And so they both knew the best thing they could do was swim. And uh, Maeve and Tracy both really don't like the water. Um, and so, unfortunately, it was to the point where Maeve was not really able to walk very well anymore. And so Tracy uh, challenged Maeve to go swimming together. And they did this about two years ago. And ever since, it's become a ministry in the sense of there's now a group of ladies that get together twice a week. They swim. And then they have a time of fellowship together in which they will uh, interact, they'll counsel. Tracy has the privilege of just uh, interacting, praying for these ladies and having a wonderful time with them. So there's uh, some of what Tracy does. Here's a, one of the families of our church. The husband there is our lead deacon. Uh, that's two of their children. They have a third girl. Um, you can uh, just continue to keep the Stantons in your prayers. Uh, this is another uh, dear couple of the church. This is a former elder. Uh, he resigned from being an elder when his son was elected to be an elder. He didn't want to stand in the way. And he's got a great presence about him. He's a very uh, capable man, and he knew the best thing for his son was to get out of the way. So he did. <laughs> Wonderful. Another couple, this one from South Africa, They've uh, Dennis has served as an elder, and you might recognize him, some of you, because he's been here most years for uh, Shepherd's Conference because he also runs uh, Grace Books New Zealand. And uh, then just briefly on our boy, uh, Micah is 17 and uh, finishing uh, what is the end of high school there. It's a year 13. It is an optional year, but it is a year he's taken up, and he's going to take on some leadership as well in school, which is great. He's working currently uh, as we are on summer break, and uh, our summer break feels a lot like the weather around here today, typically, uh, but that's part of life. And uh, he has a number of wonderful mates and is involved in sports, and as I mentioned before, his health is good. My son is a, a guy that likes to use his hands, and uh, so he built that desk that's there behind him um, as part of a school project. Oh, I should mention, that's you never see him like this at school. You don't get to dress this way at school in New Zealand. Uh, you go in uniform, and when you get to his age, when you're in year 12, 13, I believe year 11 as well, that uniform is a suit. Uh, so he wears a tie and jacket to school every day, and that's the most formal time in a Kiwi's life. Uh, once they get out of school, they 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 burn their suits, and they <laughs> you never see them in it again unless it's a funeral or a wedding. So here he is for a school formal. Uh, for those of you that have been praying for him a number of years, you can attest to the fact that that's amazing to see him like that. And just a brief closing. I'll just let you look at some of those and just to mention some of the culture and things that we enjoy. Um, one that I'll mention, one of, the t one of the things that's in the culture, you know, we always have phrases, right? Particular phrases that are things that we, um, we just say. And, um, you know, uh, I, w I almost said yesterday to a couple of men from overseas, I said, oh, He's the he's the bat up, uh, he's the cleanup hitter. And I looked at the man and I went, oh yeah, you're not going to have any clue because that's a baseball term. 
And uh, on the other side, we happen to have a lecturer right now in our DMIN program who uh, yesterday said, oh, they hit it. They hit it into touch or they kicked it into touch. Now, you probably have no idea what that is, but that's a rugby term. So one of those terms that's in the culture of New Zealand is that's the main thing. And it could be it could be pouring with rain the worst day weather-wise that you have seen in 20 years. You know, it's the rain's not just pouring, it's coming at, you know, horizontal and it's just a terrible day. And um you could be sitting down having a cup of tea with a kiwi and, and they'll say, pretty lousy day outside, but we got a good cup of tea and that's the main thing. <laughs> or they could be fishing and, uh, you know, they've caught basically no fish and they spent the day out on the water and you go, you know, how was your day fishing? And they go, well, we didn't catch much, but we got out on the water and that's the main thing. <laughs> yeah. Another guy, you know, they're out there, they go fishing, and, and somebody uh, goes to, to grab the fish to bring it in, and they catch their, their finger on, a, on the hook and, uh, you know, nearly cut off their finger trying to get the hook out of their finger, and they come back, and they, and they say, um, you say, well, what happened? This looks like it was a terrible day fishing. And they go, oh, well, that's a bit of a problem, but look at this fish, and that's the main thing. So I took that into a sermon one day and uh, talked about the main thing. And the people, just like us, have no idea that they actually say that all the time. I mean, seriously, they're like, we don't say that. And I said, really, check it out. And I tell you no lie, for six to nine months afterwards, I had people every week coming up to me and saying, I never realized I say that all the time. <laughs> now, if they could remember what the sermon was about, that would be fantastic. <laughs> so anyway, there's just some more of uh, those things that uh, that we call different things down under. And uh, it's been a pleasure to be able to be with you. Thank you. And uh, I have one minute. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much. Well, Greg has to actually rush off to class. Literally, you have one minute to get to class oh, now. okay. So I'm sorry that we don't have time today for questions, you guys. But we want to thank Greg. And we'll let him go. And if you need to, of course, leave to get your children, let me just pray and close us for today, okay? And we'll pray for Greg and the Stevensons. Heavenly Father, we, again, are just so grateful for this ministry that you have allowed us to be a part of. Lord, we praise you for the legacy of godly, gifted women who you have blessed to keep this ministry going over the years, Lord, and that we are all the beneficiaries of that. Father, we thank you for Greg and his willingness to be with us today, and we praise you for their ministry in New Zealand. God, we do pray that you would continue to grow their ministry there for the new church plant that Greg is now newly um, joining, Father, that you would give them grace and wisdom in this transition that you would grow in that church in New Zealand, a desire for your word, a hunger for truth, Lord. And we pray that you would impact the entire nation, that your gospel would go forth. Lord, we praise you now for our afternoon, and we ask for safety as we all return to our different places, Lord. In your son's name, amen. Thank you, ladies. We'll see you next week.